0: Managers miss the office more than non-managers do by a pretty wide differential. 71% of managers said that they miss working in the office and only 29% of non-managers said that.
1: That's Amber Shayada. She leads JLL's Industry and Work Dynamics Research Group. And she's focused on the challenges and the opportunities the industry sectors are facing and how that's playing out in their real estate decision making. You've probably heard all the talk about how a tougher economic climate will play out in the return to work, with many people saying it's going to drive a strong return to the office. Not everyone agrees, though, and according to Amber, who's based in L.A., there is definitely merit behind the view that the recession talk means more people at the office, but just how far back the pendulum swings is another matter.
0: We already saw a drop in remote-only postings. Yeah, there was a spike in remote-only office jobs uh, in, in terms of posting data over the summer. That has started to decline pretty steadily through the last few months. So even employers are not offering that kind of working opportunity as much as they had been at the peak.
1: I'm Miriam Hall, this is BizNow Reports, and we're also discussing today with Amber hybrid working arrangements and how the workplace hierarchy impacts return to office patterns. First, though, we're discussing when leases are getting done right now.
0: So overall, we've actually seen a little bit of a reduction in office space across the spectrum. And you can see in the office statistics that we're tracking how there's been a true flight to quality. So assets built after 2015 have seen a ton of positive net absorption, about 90 million square feet since the onset of the pandemic. On the flip side, assets built before that, we've seen about 190 million square feet of negative net absorption. So that's a real clear bifurcation in in demand there.
1: Because every time people say "flight to quality," I'm like, "Oh, that old chestnut." You've been saying that for years, but <laughs> but you've got the you've got the data that really backs it up. It is happening. Yeah,
0: and actually, at the beginning of the um, the year, a lot of our larger organizations were anticipating expanding their footprints to either accommodate more collaborative space or to accommodate um, more team meeting space, things like that. Because the purpose of the office really is to collaborate and develop skills. Um, But since the economy has started to show cracks and is continuing to be a a challenge, and now a lot of companies are anticipating recession, we're seeing that that sentiment has shifted somewhat, but the desire to have that quality space is still paramount. So even though we're not seeing expansion, we are definitely seeing this this flight to quality. So, I mean, is your office commute worthy? Do your employees want to go there? That's really the question.
1: I was listening to Larry Silverstein speak yesterday, who um, obviously, he developed the World Trade Center. Um, and he is of the view that when the recession comes, people will start coming to work again. I was previous to that listening to the Vornado earning call, earnings call. And um, the CEO of Vornado said he doesn't think that's going to happen at all. It's like, where do you fall on that spectrum? <laughs> You're oh shaking. my gosh.
0: Yeah, probably somewhere in the middle. <laughs> I think um I think that the labor market right now is at this weird point we're still in one of the tightest labor markets that we've seen in decades unemployment is at all-time lows part of that is driven by the fact that the workforce is smaller than it used to be Um, a lot of people haven't returned to the workforce there's still a skills mismatch in some cases but now that we're in this fourth quarter period of sort of caution and, and anticipating recession we've seen that flip a little bit so you know part of the reason that we saw so much of this you know public announcements of hybrid or sort of remote only part of that was because there was such a challenge in getting that labor i think that we're going to start to see um a little bit of that balance of power shift labor you know we've seen tech hiring freezes and layoff announcements and even um you know the competitive nature of trying to source that talent. I think there's going to be some opportunities to capture some of this talent that might be getting let go at some of these places. But um, in in that case, that definitely shifts the power balance balance of power back to some of the employers. But I don't think that there's going to be quite the pendulum swing that that some some may think. It's
1: <laughs> well, not totally without merit, though.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think employees too are going to have to face some decisions in terms of what they want and their own employment and you know recessions create challenges in a number of ways right mm.
1: I was listening actually before Larry um to a couple of office owners speaking and there was one woman who was talking about LA which you would know about and she was saying that some of the content companies laid people off and they saw a spike in the return now who knows if that's just anecdotal or whatever but you can kind of it kind of makes sense when you think about it like if mm-hmm. a bunch of people you with late got laid off would you go into the office if you if that was on the table? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I
0: think you'd want the job security. Um, I think that I think that certainly is going to have an impact. I think too, you know, when it when it, when you're thinking about the the return to office, um, you know, think about the pandemic when we all started working from home during those first months, productivity increased, and I think part of it was because there was also layoffs and job losses happening and or pending, and you know, there's a certain action that you take as an employee to make sure that your spot isn't necessarily at risk. And if your company puts importance on being in the office and and being, you know, uh, present, then you're probably going to make sure that you're present and you're available at work um, in order to secure your job. So I think that those dynamics are going to start to play out, especially in the next few months. We already saw a drop in remote-only postings. So even the... Okay. Yeah, there was a yeah there was a spike in remote only office jobs uh, in in terms of posting data over the summer. That has started to decline uh, pretty pretty steadily through the last few months. So even employers are not offering that kind of working opportunity as much as they had been at the peak.
1: Well, that sounds like it's the start of it, doesn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> With hybrid, I mean, when we say hybrid, what does it really mean? Because it kind of, it's become like the catch-all phrase. And so I'm wondering how you would define a hybrid working experience.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think most companies are defining it today as being in the office, you know, at least two or three days a week. And, um, A lot of the sort of you know as some of these plans are starting to come to fruition they're programming their space if they're you know creating a new build out they're programming their space with that in mind Um, not everybody's going to be in the office every day most people are going to be there two to three days a week but what we're seeing is that peak occupancy is happening on wednesdays and thursdays in most cases so even if everybody's back in the office you still need to have a place for all those people to sit and to work um so uh if you think about just where we are in terms of the economy talking about jobs again the number of people that are in office quote-unquote office jobs um, is higher than it was in 2019 so we've surpassed that level so if you imagine all those people going back into the office um we actually don't have enough space for them to sit on on an aggregate basis so that's a challenge that some companies are trying to deal with too is how do we make sure that we've got enough room for everybody? when we have an all-hands meeting, but how do we make sure that we're not over-programming space? Because if our utilization rate is only 50% on average during the week, how do you program that? So we've seen more desk sharing. Um, a lot of companies are programming two-to-one ratios um, in, in some cases on that. Um, some employees, you know, they're taking more of a flexible stance on whether they work in the office, at home, or in a third space even. Um, so be it a WeWork or a library or a cafe. Um, I think that some of that is playing into that dynamic but ultimately at the end of the day people don't want to commute to the office every day it's expensive gas is expensive parking is expensive the commute time is is challenging and i think that um if people are going back to the office they want to make sure there's a purpose are they meeting with their team are they getting a training opportunity do they just want to be visible for facetime reasons you know all of that is influencing that but hybrid i i you know the way that we think about hybrid is really um the flexibility and where you can work But not everybody has that same flexibility, and I think that's important to remember. So we don't want to create like an inequitable work environment. I think companies are really thinking about that right now too. If some functions are only remote and they never come into the office, are they losing out on the culture and the opportunity to collaborate? That's a risk, and and we don't want to create a bifurcated work environment.
1: Are there like steps happening to fix that? Are there companies that are actually – addressing that head on because that is one of the biggest things that's been coming up since the start of this discussion are there companies that are being really open with like we could be creating like a two-tier workplace and how do we how do we fix that in hybrid if we want to have hybrid we've decided hybrid works for our company we've decided that's the talent hold how do we make sure that it's not a bifurcation as you say in a bad way
0: yeah, I think there are some tech solutions that companies are are looking to deploy to help with that. Obviously, we're all used to Teams and Zoom and Webex these days. But beyond that, so what are the parameters, you know, in terms of setting up team uh, team dynamics? You know, do you want to make sure that everyone's on camera? Do you create like a virtual reality environment? Some companies, some tech companies, are are even going that far, where they're creating these digital spaces, physical plus digital. So, you know, if you're, if you're in this virtual reality environment, you can see all your colleagues, you know, you feel a little bit more included. Um, So there are certain innovative ways that that companies are trying to meet that challenge. Um, And I think too, having those all hands meetings are important. You know, some companies still, you know, value that bringing everybody in for a purpose. And so maybe your remote most of the year but you come in once a quarter to kind of meet with your colleagues get training things like that Um, I think it's all about how you program it and HR teams are very important in in determining that because the workplace of the future is not just about the space and hybrid but it's how do you program all the social elements and the amenities and the services that are available within the workplace to build talent to create connectivity to just create a sense of place and it it can't just be the physical but it has to be the social too
1: where are the pressures falling on certain levels of the of the workplace
0: yeah i think well so thinking about you know how do you program this and and what are the uh you know what are the levers that that companies are using I think there's it's a couple things i talked about hr obviously they are sort of in charge of the workforce and and keeping them happy and attracting and retaining um but then leadership i think is even more important so a lot of these um return to work policies or hybrid policies they have to be determined from the top what is the culture what is it that you're trying to cultivate what, what are you trying to innovate on you know who needs to be in the office to collaborate or to innovate and those leadership decisions have to be outlined and and those expectations have to be outlined so that managers can then deploy those expectations to their team. And I think a lot of companies are really taking a function driven approach. So, you know, maybe the legal team doesn't need to be in the office every day because a lot of their work is just very intensive. It's not necessarily collaborative in some cases, but engineering teams, if you're a big tech company, it, one of the risks is the the decline in innovation that some of these companies are, are starting to see. And I think, you know, this week, I think it was the BLS that re- re- released a report on the decline in producti- productivity that we're starting to see in office jobs. And, you know, like we talked about earlier, there was a huge spike at the beginning of the pandemic because a lot, I think a lot of it was just assuring that you could keep your job through that, that first economic challenge that we were having. So people were more productive. They were home more. So they were working more. We, we certainly saw a lot of that. But now that we've kind of come through two years later um, and the dynamic of the economy has changed, you know, I think a lot of managers and leaders are, are saying, you know, we've got to get people back to the office. We're losing productivity. But if you think about it, you know, part of the productivity loss is probably because people are spending more time back on the road getting into the office. And when you're at work now, it's so social that you don't have time to really communicate. So. It is um, it, I think with managers, it, it's it's almost it has to be determined you know by that team. You know you know what your leadership objectives are. you know what the HR objectives are. The space itself is is tangible in what it is. But if it's important for your team to be together and to collaborate, the manager really has a lot of influence in, in how that operates. And I think that's where a lot of companies are letting the decision making go to is those manager, those middle managers that, that sort of run operations across the the economy.
1: It's basically like middle managers are kind of driving a return to work here almost they're the decision makers. if they're in, people go in. if they're not in, people don't go in.
0: yeah, yeah, it's it's funny. um, you know we've done a lot of surveys at jll over the over several years, but this, Um, This year, uh, one of the surveys that we conducted was a a workforce barometer, if you will. Um, We really wanted to get the pulse of what employees are thinking and, you know, employees based on industry, location, are they managing people or not managing people? Um, One thing that's really interesting from this this study is that managers miss the office more than non-managers do, by a pretty wide differential 71 percent of managers said that they miss working in the office and only 29 percent of non-managers said that <laughs> which is interesting because on the flip side um, the folks that are working in the office more are those known managers managers tend to be out of the office more they're usually c- traveling probably going to meetings and those non-managers we're seeing a, a larger share of those folks actually in the office working whether or not they're happy about it that's un- unseen but the fact that there is such a divergence in sort of expectation and reality, um, I think is pretty interesting. And part of that might just be because managers are, you know, maybe non-managers want to make sure they have job security, you know, if, if something if that's the expectation.
1: Mm, if that's what their manager wants. What is so good about the office from a manager's perspective?
0: I think for um, I think for managers, you know. Part of it is that they're in a position where they're a leader inherently, and so in knowing that they've got expectations to sort of be that leader, um, I believe part of it is just that they want to sort of set that example, um, sort of, you know, above and below. If you think about middle managers, they're managing up, they're managing down, and so um, it's a lot of pressure to kind of meet the expectations of your leadership team, but also meet the expectations of your employees and keep them productive so that they're maybe not feeling burnout. You know, if 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 an employee wants to uh, have a more flexible schedule. Um, I think a lot of managers are willing to accommodate that because the value of the talent is so great and the ability to sort of backfill that talent is really tough right now given just how tight the labor market is. So I think some of those dynamics are at play.
1: Mm, We've kind of flipped the switch on these managers, right? They started their careers, everyone was in the office, all good. Now all of a sudden it's like manage these people, some will be in, some won't be in. You'll have a whole range of feelings about coming in or not coming in And you've got to manage them through this process. Plus, you know, you've got your own feelings about the office.
0: And you know, what's interesting too, is if you think about the purpose of the office, a lot of it's socialization. Um, And for non-managers, they actually indicated 60% said that that's what they missed the most. Managers, only 40% said that. So I think, if (laughs) I think about my own position, I'm in the management position too. It's, there's a lot more complexity in managing a team, especially if some of them are remote, more team channel chats, you know, trying to make sure that we're connecting regularly. Whereas before it was so much easier just to pop over the cubicle wall and say, hey, do you have this? Or, you know, let's talk about this project that we're working on. And I think that challenge is even greater for um, managers than it is for the employees necessarily, because managers are managing everything and then trying to make sure that they're managing their team, right? Whereas employees, it's a little bit more of a, a directive based kind of job experience, and probably less stressful in terms of the the strategy and you know all the all the managerial stuff that comes with that
1: are any workplaces considering this when as they roll out hybrid
0: yeah there's actually been a lot of that going on. I think a lot of strategy right now for a lot of the larger companies um, is focused around just laying out what that expectation looks like, and it is you know, a combination of um, leadership, you know, what their directive is. If you think about Goldman Sachs, you know, they've been very clear that everybody has to be back in the office and they are back in the office now. Um, I think what's important is having that clear directive. One of the biggest challenges we've heard from companies and um, in in the last year is that there isn't really a clear vision yet from the top in in terms of what the expectation is. And then as you go down the organization, you start to see that the the, Importance of being in the office versus not differs depending on the function. So, um, I think that having a clear vision from the top is is the first step, and that's where a lot of companies are sort of trying to understand that now. Um, What's the purpose of being in the office? What teams should be in the office versus those that aren't as much of a risk? Um, Some of the functions that we've heard have sort of downsized a little bit. If you think about call centers, so call centers are very much a back office sort of. job, a a lot of space use has been allocated for call centers historically, um, but some of these functions are now starting to go remote only. And some of the reason for that is companies are, you know, it's not really a collaborative job necessarily. Um, It can be done from home as long as there aren't any security risks. You know, if you're a HIPAA you know, if if you're under HIPAA regulations, you're probably in a call center in an office still because of the security. Um, So we've seen some downsizing of these call center spaces. And and part of it is because of the capital allocation, because a lot of these leaders, as they're trying to figure out the workplace strategy, they're also trying to align to new cost measures because everything is more expensive and um, the build outs are more expensive. So if they can sort of Figure out what's going to be the most important functions that need to be in the office. That's usually where it starts, but it has to start with leadership because all of that decision-making then cascades. So if you're managing a call center, you know, the the implications for you and your team are going to be different than if you're managing an engineering team because the outputs and the expectations from those teams are very different.
1: This is like a labor issue, really. Um, But I feel for these workplaces because it's like every time someone does something, then like maybe it's wrong.
0: Yeah, nobody wants to make the wrong decision. And I think there's, you know, going back to that balance of power, I think a lot of decision-making earlier in the year was sort of based on the risk factor of losing top talent. You know, we don't want, you know, there were announcements by public companies in the tech space this summer that were, you know, I feel like every other week there was a headline of company employees you know, staging a walkout because mm-hmm. they didn't want to have to go back to the office every day. It's like, you know, yeah. the, the, and I get that, you know, that's the commute, it's the challenge of cost, it's all of that, the productivity metric. But um, I think now that we're seeing that shift happen in the labor market there, um, you know, I think that we're going to start to see that play out in some of these strategies. I think, too, um, employees want direction. They want to know what they should be doing. They want to be led. If, if there's a clear, transparent directive then I then the employee doesn't feel so lost and I feel like that's one of the biggest missteps you know as as companies are forming the workplace strategy you know what is it that your employees really want so some companies are actually doing surveys they're surveying leaders they're surveying different business lines and employees in those business lines to better understand what their workforce actually wants to do and how can they accommodate that so part of the strategy is really um, you know, s- sourcing the demand from your workforce itself.
1: Is there a generational difference in the approach to hybrid? Are we seeing, because at th- this event that I was at the other day, there was an older gentleman speaking to a younger woman. Here, and as a joke, he said, oh, you're, you're terrible. Your generation can't do anything to get you guys in. We can't do anything for you. Like, is that true? Is Gen Z not coming in? Or is it is, is that just like a baby boomer view? I
0: think that's untrue. I, and, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you say that because, I think there actually is a really strong desire from the younger workforce to be in the office. I think that they expect hybrid more. They certainly, you know, based on the surveys we've done, it, it shows that they expect a hybrid environment, more so than older folks. So we, we actually looked at some data around this, looking at 18 to 35-year-olds and then um, those that are over 35. And the expectation to have a hybrid environment is much higher among the younger demographic, but their expectations on how many days they're going to be in the office is also higher. They anticipate more time in the office or a third place um, because they want to have that flexibility, but they also want to be visible. Young people want to see their their managers. They want to be visible. They want to get those leadership opportunities or those development opportunities. And also they want to socialize with their peers. They want to get to know the next generation of of their peer set in this industry. a lot of that is very difficult to happen in a remote environment. I think, too, that a lot of younger workers don't necessarily have all the tools to work in a comfortable situation at home. You know, if you've got roommates or if you're in a studio apartment, it's just not a good environment and it's not social. Um, I've heard from just even people on my team that they... You know, they miss kind of having the, the team dynamic day to day where they can just kind of pop over the cubicle, like I said, and say, you know, what are you working on? What are we doing? And, um, you know, so I, it's funny. A lot of the younger people, even at JLL, are in the office every day, um, whereas the older folks, um, either because they're traveling or they're with clients, they tend to be out of the office more. So there is an in, it, it's almost um, counterintuitive, but they want to be there. They want to they want to be seen. They want to learn. And you can't really do that if you're at your desk at home. They wanna be in the office, but it has to be for a purpose. And I think they wanna see that their leaders are there too. You know, So the problem where, where we've seen more of the younger workforce in the office versus some of the managers and older uh, population, not as regularly in the office, that is actually a dynamic that, that is the, gonna be a challenge. And I think it behooves the older generation to remember that and to be visible because the next generation of leaders really depends on, on the, the generation that's here today developing those people.
1: Yeah. It's sort of like, do as I say, not as I do for some (laughs) leaders. Exactly. Yeah. I'll be coming in when it suits me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you want to set
0: that expectation. I think good leaders are, they try to be the model for their team to follow, not the, you know, as you said, do as I say, not as I do. Like, I think good leadership requires that you actually are the model for what you want to see.
1: How often are you coming in?
0: Well, I'm probably going in like once or twice a week. So I agree, I'm not the best example, but I'm in a position now where I've got, my team is in different offices. So I don't have anybody on my team actually in Los Angeles. So it's, and that's a new dynamic for me. I mean, just personally, you know, before the pandemic I was leading a local market. So all my team was in the same office, we were there. So, but I personally feel I have a sense of duty to go into the Los Angeles office because of the researchers that are there that aren't necessarily on my team. I want to be present and available to them and be somebody that can plug them into the larger organization. And every time I'm in, I'm telling you, I'm probably less productive in the office just because of all of the interactions and catch-ups and socialization that happens, but there is a purpose and it does feel
1: good. That's Amber Shaiada. She leads JLL's Industry and Work Dynamics Research Group. And as always, I'll leave some links in the show notes to relevant topics. I'm Miriam Hall. Thanks for listening.